you know, there's something really compelling about a story where someone comes from a position of perceived weakness and ultimately leads with strength. You know some of those stories. Alexander Hamilton, orphaned in the Caribbean, goes on to be a founding father of our nation. Bill Clinton, born in Hope, Arkansas, has a tough life, comes back to become governor of his state and ultimately president of the United States. Jay-Z builds a multi-billion dollar media and business empire, but he grew up and came up through some of the roughest areas of New York. And while we might not agree with all of the outcomes of these leadership stories, it certainly is inspiring to see the twists and the turns that took them there. So as we think about our own leadership journeys, it's oftentimes difficult to relate to some of those stories because our circumstances just seem so different. But I think if we're honest with each other, we would all recognize that each of us has a set of limitations and a set of weaknesses that can often cause us to build a fence for being unwilling to step out in the way that God would have us to. Sometimes we'll put on a mask of self-assurance and get by, or sometimes we'll even put on an air of self-confidence that will allow us to be able to proceed. But ultimately, we miss the opportunity of not taking those weaknesses, taking those limitations, and offering them up to God to see how he can use them to actually expand and amplify our influence as leaders for him. You know, this study is all about unlikely leadership, unlikely characters in unlikely circumstances leading through unlikely communities. And last week we talked about the importance of taking small steps on the long runway of God's purpose. But to be able to do that, I think it's important for us to start to explore how we can develop a model of unlikely leadership that will allow us to be equipped to take those small steps for God. And fortunately, just like last week, God has given us through the pages of his word examples of imperfect, unlikely characters that were used by him. And so this week we're taking a look at Gideon in the chapters of Judges 6 through 8. And we're looking at how Gideon used the forces of availability, action, adaptability, and ultimately accountability in his leadership journey. So let's dive right in by taking a look at how Gideon was able to develop that model of leadership. And the first force that we're going to look at is this force of availability. You know, the judges um, that are described throughout the book came from a lot of different experiences. They had a lot of different backgrounds. Um, and they served, obviously, from the time that the Israelites were led by Joshua. And so these judges played an interesting role in being able to guide and direct and lead the people of Israel. But I think that you can definitely say, as you look at the descriptions of the different judges, that certainly Gideon had a very unique set of attributes and experiences that equipped him to be able to be a judge. In fact, he had very little experiences, very little background, very little stature that allowed him to be the judge. So much so that when the angel comes to Gideon to give him his assignment of going out and defeating the Midianites who are oppressing the people of Israel, he immediately throws up an excuse. Let's go to Judges 6 verse 15. When the angel comes to him, Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So Gideon focuses on this force of availability. 
And the way he does it is he openly and honestly lays out his perceived weakness. He's very open and honest with that angel. But what I appreciate about the way that Gideon responds is he doesn't just give the excuse and stop. He doesn't use the weakness as a limitation. Rather, he puts the weakness out there and he waits to see how God will respond and how God can actually use that limitation. I think about in my own life how easy it is when I hear about an opportunity or a challenge where I feel God leading to immediately begin ticking off all of the things that hold me back from being able in my own mind to be of, of use to God, right? I don't have the experience. I don't have the background there. I don't have the finances to be able to do it. And it's easy to start coming up with all of the reasons why we're not available to God. What would it look like if we followed Gideon's lead, where we just simply laid it out in front of him? We recognized that we might be the weakest clan. We might be the weakest family. We may have the weakest resume to be able to be used by him. But we openly and honestly give that limitation to God and see what he can do with it. It's interesting to me that if we allow God to be able to use that weakness, we may be very surprised at how he's able to, again, create twists and turns in our own story so that not only can we see how we might be able to act, but again, we can see his glory through what he's doing. So availability shouldn't be that limitation. But the other thing that's very clear to me is that availability is not a one-time response. What I appreciate about the story of Gideon is over and over again in these chapters, we see God giving him challenges where he has to step up, not lean on his own strengths, recognize his weaknesses, and be able to be open to be used where God is leading him. And so I think about our own journeys and the fact that availability to be of service to God is not something that we raise our hand once and we say, I surrender all, I give it to you. And we certainly need to do that. But every day presents an opportunity for us to recommit in our availability to God. Every day gives us the opportunity to say, Father, you know where there are challenges. You know where there are opportunities for us to be used by you. Let me be available in any way that you see it fit for us to be used. So making sure that we are always available to God and giving him free reign to be able to use us as he will becomes the first force that allows us to be that unlikely leader. The second force is action itself. It's not just about saying that we are available. We have to take the steps to be able to act in the direction where God is leading us. Gideon did this. And what's interesting is the example where Gideon goes down and fights the Midianites and thrusts himself into battle isn't the first time where we see him actually having to act. One of the things that the angel asked him to do is to go to an altar that his father had built um, for Baal and tear down that altar and tear down the Asherah pole. So if we look, we're still in chapter six, if we look at uh, verse 27, so Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. In the morning, when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar, demolished, with the Asherah pole beside it, cut down, and the, and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. They asked each other, who did this? And when they carefully investigated, they were told, Gideon, son of Joash, did it. So Gideon acted. He went out at night, he tore down that altar, he told, tore down the Asherah pole. But there are two elements to his action that I think are worth noting. The first 
is that action required personal commitment. Yes, he had 10 servants who could have gone out and done it for him. He could have sent them off to do the work. He could have stayed at home and said, well, let them deal with the request that God has given me. But what I appreciate is that Gideon himself went with those servants to do it. And I think when we look at the opportunities that God gives us to act, one of the lessons here is that we have to make a personal commitment to be the ones who act. You know, I was thinking a lot about the opportunities that I have to lead my son um, and the requirements um, that are impressed upon me, if I think about it, to be there for him at a ball game or be there for him when he's doing something um, extracurricularly at school. You know, it would be easy for me to farm that out, tell my wife to do it, tell his sisters to be there. But do you know that there is something about personally being there for him, personally being the one who can spend time with him beforehand, to be with him afterwards, to be the person who is there to not only share in the successes that he has, but also to be there when things are hard. I can't farm that out. And I think when God challenges us to assignments for him, we should resist the temptation to figure out a way to just simply write the check or simply find another person who could step in for us. But we should ask, how am I personally called to act in this situation and have the personal commitment to follow through? So action requires personal commitment, but action also requires personal cost. This was a hard assignment that God gave Gideon. Obviously, he was offended by the fact that Gideon's father had built an altar to Baal. But think about how family relationships were strained after Gideon went down and tore down the altar. Think about the message that it sent to people about his relationship with his father. His action came at a cost. And when I think about some of the things that God calls us to or some of the challenges that God gives us, oftentimes I think we're quick to say no to responding. Because we sit and say, how might this lessen my perceived influence in the community? How might this strain a relationship that I have with a friend or strain a relationship that I have with a family member? And we put that relationship ahead of our responsibility to God. Action will require personal cost at times. And I think it's important for us to make that commitment to say that there are times when our follow through our ability to act for God comes alongside that cost in a way that allows us to be able to be used by him. So I've got to just ask you a question. What are some of the things that you have passed on acting upon because the cost has seemed too great? It's either been a literal cost, a financial cost that you'd have to pay. It's a relational cost that you might have to forego but you've left the ability to act for God because you weren't willing to pay that cost. So action requires personal commitment and actional action requires personal cost. And I just want to ask, are you ready to pay it? So we see this force of availability that we've got to be willing to act upon. We see this force of action being willing to step out and do it. But there's a third force we see in Gideon's story, and it's the force of adaptability. So when Gideon finally decides that he is going to go out and fight the Midianites, he assembles this group of 32,000 people. And um, there are 32,000 fighting men, and he shows up with them. And then we watch God do this amazing thing. He starts siphoning off the men. So first he sends away 22,000 of the men. 
and says, that's too many to have. And then when he looks at the 10,000 that are left, he siphons off another group and ends up leaving Gideon with 300 fighting men to take on the Midianites. And I want you to think about this because as I looked at this this week, I was just reminded God asked Gideon to lead with 1% of the resources that he thought he had available to him when he started the mission. 99% of those resources God took away. And so I've been thinking a lot about the fact that in this period of time that we've been going through, you hear stories and we've experienced it ourselves, right? A loss of 30% of our resources, a loss of a community's uh, tax base by 25, 30%. But listen, God required Gideon to go above and beyond when he said, I will make do with 1% of the resources that you had available to you. So Gideon had to be willing to adapt and recognize that God could still deliver even with that 1%. One of the things that's interesting to me is when I think about my own life and the plans that I make for myself, I am really sure and really quick to put together that one-year plan, that five-year plan, that 10-year plan. And I think God just looks at those plans and laughs and says, John, I am going to have a blast letting you see how I'm going to change the courses to fulfill my purpose. And if I don't have that spirit of adaptability, if I don't have that willingness to be agile to the plans that I've made myself and let God be able to take um, those plans and do with it what he will, I miss out on the opportunity to see his agenda at work. But I also miss out on the ability to have my expectations completely blown away by what God can do. When God says that he will deliver abundantly, exceedingly more than we can expect or imagine, he will do that, but we have to have a heart and a mindset of adaptability to allow him to do it. So I've got to ask you, have your plans for your leadership journey become so set in stone, so sure that when God intervenes and he throws you that curveball, when he throws you that new path that he wants you to go down, that you do it in a way that doesn't allow you to experience the joy and the surprise of seeing God at work? And have you missed out on the ability to grow in your relationship with him because you haven't been willing to adapt those plans to be used by him in a different way? So God calls us to be available. God calls us to act. God calls us to be adaptable. But also as a part of our leadership journey, God calls us to be accountable. And as I looked at Gideon this week, it's so great to see how he did take God's challenge, took those 300 men, used the trumpets and the jars and the musical chaos to be able to go in and defeat the Midianites. And then he goes on to have other successes. But once he had those successes, the people of Israel clamored for him to be their leader, clamored for him to be that judge we talked about earlier. And Gideon took on that role. But what was interesting is when it came time for him to also think about how he was going to set himself up for leadership. One of the things that he asked is that the people would take some of the plunder that they had taken from the conquests and give it to him. And let's just see what he did with it. I'm in chapter eight of Judges right now, um, verse uh, 24. And he said, I do have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. It was the custom of the Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. And they answered, we'll be glad to give them. And so they spread out a garment and each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. 
And then look what he did with it. Verse 27, Gideon made the goal into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. Because Gideon was willing to have those people throw their plunder and then create an idol that Israel eventually prostituted himself to, his whole leadership story at the end is one that can't be celebrated in its entirety. Yes, he followed God. Yes, he accepted the challenge. But because when he had success, he didn't surround himself with the accountability to keep turning him back to God, his story ends in, ends in a way which none of us would want our stories to end. And I think the force that we see here is the importance of having accountability personally in our leadership story. And I think there are two things that we have to be mindful of as we think about accountability. First is that in the absence of accountability, we revert to our own way. Think about this story. In Judges 6, he had been willing and forceful enough to go out and tear down his father's altar, which celebrated Baal. By the end of Judges 8, we see the people of Israel going back to Baal because Gideon had allowed for this ephod to be created that the people had gone to worship. We revert back to our own ways if we don't have people calling us back into our walk with Christ. So in the absence of accountability, we revert to our own way, but we also reveal our lesser self. Now, there are countless stories in the Bible where we see people who do step out in leadership and act for the Lord, and we see the successes that they experience through him. But then we find a tragic end to their story. They reveal their lesser selves. And so one of the things that is abundantly clear as we look at Gideon's story is because he wasn't willing to surround himself with people who were constantly asking him, how are you using your opportunity to lead? How are you using your success to honor God rather than creating idols? He ended up having a story that ended in ashes. So I just need to ask you, if you're experiencing success, are you surrounding yourself with people who are asking you, how are you using the things that you're learning and the ways that you're leading to take you back to the things that lead you to God? Do you have people around you that are keeping you humble? People around you that are asking you what your motives are, how you're using your weaknesses for the Lord, and how you're taking the successes that he gives you to honor him. I hope that in the course of this study together and in the community groups that you're being able to be a part of, that you all are using it as a chance to say, how do I create that network, that community for us to hold each other up and ask how we're using this experience to be unlikely leaders in our community and in our homes and in our church as a way not only to be able to advance the kingdom, but be able to grow in our character and our integrity so that we can continue to have that influence that God would give us. So those are the four forces, being available, acting, being adaptable, and having accountability in our lives. And over the course of the next few weeks, we are gonna take a deep dive into each of those four forces. And we're gonna look at additional characters in the Bible who had the chance to grapple with those forces and learn from their leadership lessons. We are called to take small steps on the long runway of God's purpose. But until we take the time to wrestle down how we use our weaknesses to be made available for him, and also how we think about using some of these forces to strengthen not only our own leadership journey, 
but our relationship with our Heavenly Father so that we can be available to Him. If we don't do those things, we're missing out on the great adventure of being unlikely leaders for Him. So think about it this week. Which of these forces is the one that you need to spend the most time developing over the course of the next few weeks? Do you need to make yourself more available to where God would have you to go? Do you need to stop saying, I'll think about it and actually act where God's leading you? Do you need to be willing to take those plans and put them aside so that God can show you a different way and that you adapt to his way? Or do you need to set yourself up with people who will hold you accountable in your leadership journey? I can't wait to find out about which of those you want to focus on. And as we look at God's word together, I can't wait to see how he grows you in your ability to be a leader for him.